0: The following is audio from the Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about the Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Good morning, Refuge Church. Good morning. Hey. <laughs> Father Abraham has many sons, many sons of Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let us praise the Lord. Sit down. (laughs) Next time, we'll sing the whole thing. worked (laughs) let's try again good morning Refuge Church it's good to be with you guys uh, here this morning and so uh, let's just take a few minutes with the person sitting next to you just say hello ask them how their week went and pray for them and so let's take about two minutes three minutes doing that. I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna pray for us as we uh, start uh, digging to the Word of God this morning. And also I'll be offering a prayer of confession uh, for us. Jesus, we uh, thank you for your mercies that are new every morning thank you for your steadfast love that never uh, ceases we are grateful for our blessings we are grateful for our position in you we're grateful that while we were sinners you willingly offered yourself to take our sins on the cross and you suffered the pain that we should have suffered. You gladly took that burden on you. You died on the cross, but it didn't end here. You defeated death, you rose. And because you rose, we have a new life in you, Jesus. And so we are grateful for that. Jesus, we are saints, but we do not live like saints. And so we ask for your forgiveness this morning we ask for forgiveness in areas of our lives that we have erred through our thoughts through our speech through our actions Just have mercy on us and forgive us make us clean turn our hearts to you this morning I also pray that this morning may we enjoy the fellowship of each other, may we enjoy being in your presence, that whatever burdens or load that we have here, we just pray that we can put that aside and enjoy you to the fullest, Lord. So we pray for your Holy Spirit to fill our hearts and may your word penetrate our hearts uh, this morning. Thank you for this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, This morning, uh, we will be continuing in our series, uh, Be Different, Paul's Letter to the Ephesians. And our intro for this series is this. God is calling us to be a different kind of people, a holy people. Holiness is a quality that uniquely belongs to God. And being a different people means that our primary identity is part of God's holy family. In the book of Ephesians, Paul gives instructions on how to live as holy people in a world that often doesn't like our kind of different. Uh, Last week, uh, Path preached... You know, on the idea of God reconciling the Jews from the Gentiles, that is the story of the gospel. We are all one now in God's eyes. Uh, the barrier that used to separate us, Christ's dead on the cross has broken that barrier, and we are one people. And so, uh, this morning I'll be preaching from uh, Second, I mean, uh, Ephesians uh, chapter three. And I'll be talking about the mystery that has been revealed uh, for us uh, through these verses. But as I was thinking about mysteries, it's like, what are things that sound mysterious to me? And, sorry, I just think the price of gases... (laughs) is a mystery to me. (laughs) Just think about it, when gas was like $2, $3, like whenever you went to the gas station, you can bond with your car, you know, you can wipe your windows, talk to your car if you've given your car names. I don't know why some Americans do that, but that's a thing, (laughs) right? You enjoyed your car, but now that gas is $5, it's like, I don't even want to look at my car or my receipt. It's so painful. And it's painful because this country has so much gas, right? And so we're allowing a rogue nation, Russia, just hustle all of us. And another mystery that I really don't get is how one nation in this century can invade another nation. And the rest of the world just watches. Isn't that a mystery? Just because that nation has nuclear capabilities, the rest of the world, even though the rest of the world has nuclear capabilities too, we're just watching, can help the Ukrainians. Well, we help them through weapons and all of that, but yet one nation can just invade the sovereignty of another nation. I was thinking of it I was thinking so if I become the president of Nigeria someday I can just invade Cameroon and Togo with no repercussions is that the world that we live in today mysteries of the world that sometimes we have no answer for but the mystery that I'll be talking about this morning has been explained and this verses explains The mystery for us. And so if you have your Bible with me, go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 to 13. And I'll read as you follow me. Verse 1, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 through 13. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to you, to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it was now being revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel the gentiles are heirs together with Israel members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power although I am least I am less than the least of all God's people this grace was given was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and true faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are your glory. There's just so much uh, in this passage, and I'm going to try my best to walk uh, through uh, these passages uh, with you, uh, walking through them in verses, uh, so that we can unpack what Paul uh, is talking about here. And so, in verse 1, Paul starts by saying, I am a prisoner of Christ for the sake of the Gentiles, right? And so, when Paul started the book of Ephesians, when you read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, the credential Paul uses there is that I am an apostle of Christ. And so we see that credential changing here. Instead of using the title that he's used in the beginning of the book, he's now calling himself a prisoner of Christ to the Gentiles. And why is that? Because at this point in his ministry, Paul has been in prison for about five years now, right? Right? He had spent two years in Caesarea and the rest of Rome in prison. He was arrested on false charges made by some Jews uh, from uh, Asia who were visiting Jerusalem, right? And then he had to face hearings from the Sahindran before the Roman governor like Felix and uh, Festus and King Agrippa, who both found him guilty and put him in prison. But although he was arrested on Jewish charges and although he was arrested by the Romans, he didn't call himself a prisoner of Jerusalem or the prisoner of Rome. Instead, he called himself a prisoner of Christ for the Gentiles. Because he knew that whatever he did and wherever he went, it was under Christ's control. Because without the Lord's consent, he was not subject to the power of punishment or imprisonment of any man or government. And also, Paul also knew that he was bought at a price. The grace of God. And so I asked you this morning, who are you a prisoner of? As believers, we have so many things that hold us captives, right? And so like Paul, would you say, despite all those things that hold us captive, I am still a prisoner of Christ? Or would you say, I am a prisoner of those things that hold me captive? So whatever sin in your life that holds you captive, money, power, whatever it is, who are you a prisoner of? For Paul, he was a prisoner of Christ because he knew what his identity was in. And then in verse 2, he says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. Verse 4, in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. What Paul basically is saying here is that, I'm sure you guys have already heard that I have been appointed by God to be the apostle of, to the Gentiles. And then it was Paul's intention not to declare the mystery, but to explain and clarify it. Because when Ephesians believers and every subsequent believer will read this, Paul's hope is that they will come to understand his God's given insight into the mystery of Christ. He wasn't trying to tell them anything new. He was just trying to explain and clarify what that mystery is. And then in verse 5 he said, which was made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy Apostles and prophets. and so what Paul is doing in verse five is that he defines the general meaning of the mystery, as it is used in the Old Testament. in the New Testament, because in other generations he says, this mystery was not made known to the sons of men. Before the church, no person, not even the greatest of God's prophets, had anything but a glimpse of this mystery. And so Paul is now revealing what this mystery is. Because we know the meaning of many Old Testament truths because we have the New Testament now, right? The prophecy being fulfilled in the New Testament, and we have explanations for why they happen. And here is an example no one knew the full meaning of God's promise to Abraham. Remember, Abraham? Ibrahim, I was in Nigeria, and God was like, Ibrahim, go to Bremerton, and it's a joke. Just trying to see if you guys are away, right? But Abraham, God was like, leave. I'm going to take you to a foreign place. And true, you are blessed, the nations of the earth, right? Nobody fully understood what that meant until Paul wrote this, and the scripture foreseeing that God will justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations shall be blessed in you. Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. And so now we have an explanation for the reason God called Abraham. Here's another example. No one knew the full meaning of Isaiah's prediction which is, I will also make you a light of the nation so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. They had that passage back then, but they didn't fully comprehend what this passage was doing until it was explained by Paul to mean the offering of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles as well as the Jews. And you can find that in Acts chapter 13 uh, from verse uh, 46 to 47. And so the Old Testament saints had no vision of the church, the assembling together of all the saved ones into one united body. This was uncomprehendable to them. They had the clues in the Old Testament, right? And that is why even Peter struggled with this idea in Acts uh, chapter 10. Because a Jew had such a hard time accepting Gentile believers as being completely on the same spiritual level as themselves. But now, what was the mystery that the Holy Spirit has now revealed? And the mystery is found in verse 6. The mystery is that through the gospel... The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. This is the mystery that Paul is revealing. And it it is difficult for us to really comprehend how, how big this is. Because in spite of the fact that Old Testament teaches that Gentiles will be blessed by God, there are so many passages that talks about Gentiles being blessed by God, and you can find examples of this in Genesis chapter 12, verse three, and in Genesis chapter 22 verse 18. And then we have examples of Gentiles blessing God. You can find that in Psalms chapter 72. And then there are scriptures in the Old Testament. That talks about that the Messiah will come to the Gentiles. You can find this in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10, 49, verse 6, and then in uh, chapter uh, 60, verse 1 to 3. And we also have passages in the Old Testament that they will be saved by the Messiah. You can find an example of this in Hosiah chapter 1, verse 10, and Amos chapter 9, verse 11. And also that Gentiles will receive the Holy Spirit. You can find this in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 uh, to 29. Even though we have these passages that talks about God including Gentiles, the idea of including Gentiles into the body with Jews was the spiritual equivalent of saying that lepers were to be allowed in society. Because in the minds of most Jews, their spiritual separation from Gentiles was so absolute and so right that the thought of total equality before God with Gentiles was inconceivable and sometimes a blasphemy to them. Because in Judaism, purity was everything, right? Purity was everything. Spiritual contamination was almost the same as physical contamination. And that was why Jews didn't want anything to do with Gentiles. As a Jew, you wouldn't even go into a Gentile home. When a Gentile was walking on the street, you moved to the other side because you didn't even want the air that they (laughs) breathed. You don't want to inhale it because somehow it was going to make you unclean. And Jews back then, they were obsessed with washing their hands and their bodies just because of the interaction that they have with other people. And of course, Gentiles were there. And now the mystery is that everything you have as a Jew, every promises, every blessing you have as a Jew, the Gentiles now sharing that. For us that is a great that is a great mystery, but for a Jew, it wasn't and I was trying to contextualize uh the magnitude of this mystery in our present day, and the only example I can think of is uh slavery don't leave you're not guilty of anything it's just the sins of the past <laughs> but just 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 think about. What happened, right? You know, we had this great document all men were created equal, all men were created equal, you know, but then you had to define what a man was, right? And because some people didn't fit the definition of what a man was, it was easy to take them as slaves, right? And so, Thousands or hundred thousands of African Americans are taken as slaves, you know, mistreated because they're not considered humans, you know, went through a history of that. And then the Civil Rights Movement comes, right, you know, and the uh, abolitionist uh, movement starts with, you know, outlawing slavery and then the Civil Rights Movement, you know, gave African American, you know, rights to do so many things that other Americans were doing. You know, just the right to be a human, the right to be considered a human being like the rest, right? And so imagine all of that changing. And now, as a white southerner who had all these misconceptions about a black person, imagine now being in the same position as a black man that you have uh, been in for many years, right? It's almost the same as that. Imagine being told you are the same as this man who you thought you were smarter than him because of the color of your skin. It was, it's, I mean, it, it's not the same, you know, because we, we have so much to do. But this is a radical position here because God is saying Gentiles here are 100% like you. That is the mystery. You are not better than them. They are children of Abraham. Every promises, every inheritance that you have, they now have. You are one with them. That is the mystery of the gospel. And even some of the church leaders I mentioned earlier, Peter struggled with this idea Right, Because if you read Acts chapter 15, the Jerusalem council, right? The church was like, what are we going to do about these Gentiles that are coming into the church? Should we even consider them Christians? Peter was the one who gave a wonderful speech because basically what he said was, God has gifted them the Holy Spirit, just like us. So God has accepted them, and if God has gifted them the Holy Spirit, like us, The one. That was Peter's speech. And then you fast forward to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 uh, through 14. This is what Peter did. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James... He used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to drew back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw what they were doing, When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of all of them, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Right? And so Peter knew the truth, but because there were certain men whom he wanted to look good, He was trying to move away from the Gentiles who he was eating with. And Paul's like, you know what's right. You know the gospel. Have you forgot what you have said during the Jerusalem council? Basically how we are all one, right? And so even though some of them knew the truth, they still had a hard time living it. But that was the mystery that was revealed that they were all one, Jews and Gentiles, same treatment. And that was why Paul scolded Peter and told him to act right because of the truth that he knows. And then what's the promise of this mystery that God has given to the Gentiles? There are three promises here. The first promise is that God said Gentiles are fellow heirs. Gentiles are fellow heirs. The people who were once excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers of the covenant promise now have the same legal status before God as his chosen people, the Jews. That is a slap in the face to a Jewish Christian. But yet, that is the power of the gospel. All barriers broken. These Gentiles, they now have the same boundless inheritance in Christ that Paul has already mentioned earlier. If you belong to Christ, then you are an offspring of Abraham, heirs according to the promise. The Gentiles are no longer strangers, but they are sons having the same legal status As any other believer, they are one, regardless of what you think, because God has made them one, like you. The second promise is that they are fellow members of the body. They are now equally equally blessed outsiders as joint heirs who have the same benefit as Jews who experienced those benefits before, But now they are full members of the body, linked by common life with every other person in God's holy family. They are not second-class in-laws anymore, but they get to enjoy every blessing and privileges that the rest of the members of the family used to enjoy. They are indistinguishable in God's eyes from any other member of the society. And then the third promise is, in addition to having the same legal and family status, Gentiles are also fellow partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. And this is not so much a third status, but a summary of the other two, because all Christians, regardless of their status or position, before they are saved, are fellow partakers of everything that pertains to Christ through the gospel. Everything that Christ has, we now have if we choose to put our faith in Jesus. The essence of the gospel is that through faith in Jesus, believers are made everything that Jesus is and given everything that Jesus has. God predestines every believer to become conformed to the image of his son. When we were adopted, we were given the nature of Christ. That is the promise that the Gentiles get to enjoy and live with. And that is the same promise that we have today as believers who have chosen to put our trust in Jesus Christ. That is the mystery revealed and the promises of the mystery and then Paul continues in verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the, by, by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. 8. Although I am less than the least of all of God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. 9. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden. In God, who created all things. And so now that we know what this wonderful mystery is, what Paul is saying in these verses is, now we have to preach this mystery. That is the task that he was given. But he is also giving us that task. We know how wonderful this mystery is. We get to be heirs with God and enjoy everything that Jesus has Why do we keep that to ourselves, Paul is saying? The gospel is to be spread by men whom God calls to proclaim it. And even in uh, Romans, Paul says this, How then shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? This mystery is too good for us to keep to ourselves. And that was why Paul dedicated his life carrying this wonderful good news to the Gentiles. And because we share in the inheritance of the mystery of the gospel, our desire should be to proclaim to every believer and non-believer the riches that they have in Jesus Christ. The riches that we now enjoy as sons and daughters of Christ. But before we can do that, we must understand the riches that we have in Christ. We must understand the promises and the rich life that we have been given through the blood of Jesus. Because if you don't understand that, you cannot tell anyone about these riches. If you don't fully understand something, you can share it with anyone else. So I'm here to remind you of the riches that you have in Christ. The riches that words cannot even describe. But because you have chosen to put your faith in Jesus, you have those riches. And because we have those riches, and because we understand those riches, our job is to share it with non-believers. And then in verse 10 Paul says his intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. 11 according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Jesus Christ. And so Paul here is talking about what is the purpose of the mystery. And the purpose of this mystery is revealing the mystery of the church so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church, to the rulers, and to the authorities in the heavenly realms, right? The church does not simply exist to save souls. That is a very important task that we have, but also the The purpose of the church, as Paul makes clear in these verses, is to glorify God by manifesting his wisdom before rulers who can then offer greater praise to God. It's the same idea of taking the gospel and preaching it to everyone, right? But the rulers of the world need to hear this wonderful news so that they also will glorify God, so that they also will know that there's someone greater than them. Just because they have power doesn't mean they're it. The one who gives them the power, the one who puts them in that position of power is greater and he needs to be glorified. The purpose of the universe is to give glory to God. And that is why in Psalms chapter 19 verse 1, the psalmist says, The heavens are declaring the glory of God. And their expense is declaring the works of His hands. Thank you. Everything we do is for the glory of God, and that is the work of the church—to take this wonderful message that we have, so that people in and outside the church will glorify God. And then, in verse twelve, Paul says, "In Him and true, in Him and true faith in Him, we may approach God." with freedom and confidence. 13, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. And so in these last two verses, Paul is talking about the privilege of this mystery that we have. And what's our privilege? The privilege that we have is that we can put our faith in Christ because we can freely Come to God and share in his heavenly riches. In Judaism, right, only the high priest can approach God. You know, once a year during the Day of Atonement, only the high priest can go into the Holy of Holies. Anyone else who went into that Holy of Holies died. They didn't make it. But for us, can we approach God whenever we want? We can That is the privilege of the mystery that we have. Paul says that every person who comes to Christ in faith can come before God at any time and with boldness and confident access. Because we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may find mercy and may find grace in our time of need. What a great promise. We can approach God with confidence because of the riches that we have, because we are adopted sons and daughters. And then lastly, Paul asked the believers, not to grieve about his extended years of imprisonment or the punishment or the suffering that he is enduring because God is using him in great ways, even though he is in prison. God is using him to continue to minister to the Gentiles, to share this wonderful mysteries of the gospel with them. So Paul is saying, don't lose heart for me. I love what I'm doing. I'm a prisoner of Christ. God has a plan for me. I'm doing my part, so I'm okay with that. Don't feel sorry for me. That's how Paul closes uh, in verse 13. And so, what's the lesson or the takeaway that we uh, can take uh, from this? If you have forgotten everything that I've said, don't forget this. You are blessed... You are an heir and you are a partaker in the promises of God. That was accomplished through the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross. So you are blessed. If you have chosen to put your faith in Jesus, you are blessed. You have nothing to worry about. You are a cherished son and daughter who gets to enjoy all the riches that the Father has. That is your position in Christ. And if you are not a Christian here today, if you've chosen not to put your faith in Jesus, why miss out on this riches that is dear for you? Right? Why? It doesn't make sense. You, you can have such a rich life. You can have... All these promises that God has promised to the Gentiles, the promises that we now get to enjoy. And so, why do you have to miss out on that? Why can't you just put your faith in Jesus, trust Him as your Lord and Savior, invite Him into your life, confess your sins? allow him to transform and change you and enjoy in his wonderful promises because there is no promise in this world better than this to be a child of God to be heirs of his promises what's better than that and so what are you waiting for and so if that's you this morning just invite God into your heart Give God a chance. And he will not disappoint you. And if you have made that decision, live in the promises of the riches of Christ. Enjoy the riches that you have. But as you enjoy those riches, don't forget to proclaim it. Because when you have something wonderful and precious, you don't want to keep it to yourself. You proclaim it with others. So that is my lessons and my takeaway uh, for, uh, for you guys uh, this morning. And so at this time uh, we'll get uh, ready uh, to eat communion. And communion is a way for us every Sunday to remember the cross, to remember how the riches that we have in Christ, how it all happened. It happened with the work of Jesus on the cross for our sins, right? And before he went and died this gruesome death with his disciples, you know, Jesus took bread and broke it and said, this is my body that I will eat. This is my body that will be broken for you. I will die on the cross for your sins. When you eat my body, remember what I will do for you on the cross. And in the same way, he took a glass of wine and said, this is my blood that I will shed for you. My blood that I'm happy to shed for you. Because as a result of that blood, we get to live in the riches of Christ and to enjoy the new life that we have. And so that is why we eat communion this morning. And so as you take communion this morning, remember that you were bought at a price. And because we get to live this rich life that we have today, let's thank God for it through communion. And if you're not a believer this morning, Examine your heart. Please don't eat communion. Search your heart. And if you need to talk to someone, uh, Joe and Rachel Berg will be back there. They'll be happy to pray for you. And if you want to talk to an elder or anyone, feel free to. The elders are here. We're happy to talk to you. And so, enjoy being here this morning. Pray with me as we eat communion. Jesus, uh, thank you for the mystery of the gospel. Thank you for breaking every barrier that has divided us for so long and just making us one, but not just making us one, making us one with your son. Thank you for the riches that we have in you and how you made it possible for us. And so we are just grateful for all of that. So thank you for this, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.